Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg and Life. It's time for our very special panel show. So I got the very special panel with me. You may know them already. This is Cara Dom, Latin consultant for the New Century Edition. Oh, I didn't even mention myself. They're forcing me from the booth to mention myself. Uh, I'm Curtis, <laughs> and I'm the host of Swedenborg and Life, so I'm going to host this one just because what else would I do? And this is Cara Dom, Latin consultant, New Century Edition translation of Swedenborg's works. And if we flip cameras, you'll see we have over there Dr. Jonathan Rose, who is a series editor of that very same New Century Edition, which is a new translation of Swedenborg's stuff. And then we have Chelsea, who is writing on the show along with me. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming. <clears throat> what we're going to do today, if you guys haven't played the game, it's exactly what you think it would be. Get your questions in as you're watching. We're going to try to answer as many as we can to the best of our ability. And we're going to see what happens. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Thanks, everybody out there, for coming. Let's do it. Hey, what, what's the worst that could happen? Let's, let's try it out. All right, so this is our first one. Uh, this is from Brenda. How significant is the Blessed Mother to Swedenborgian thought? A question from the Cincinnati Watch Group. Ooh. Trying to learn if people who had significant roles in the Lord's life here are still doing important things in heaven. Mm. Before we jump into that meaty question, look at that question from the Cincinnati Watch Group, and what that means is... What is a watch group, what is, what, and what is Cincinnati? Well, <laughs> Cincinnati is a city, it's in Ohio, and there's a group of people there watching this show. So thank you guys for watching, and we are going to get your uh, your question answered, or we're going to try. I don't want to make any promises. So what, so let's let's talk about it. What? How significant? So what's the the Blessed Mother? I'm taking that as a reference to Mary, yeah. um, the mother of Jesus. So yeah, Swedenborg talks a lot about Jesus. How does Mary factor in there, and uh, how's her role now? How's she mm -hmm. doing? So does Swedenborg have commentary on it? Does anyone want to start us off on that one? Well, I'll just jump in and give a little easy answer yes. um, that is, you know, she's trying to learn or he is trying to learn if people who had significant roles in the Lord's life here are still doing important things in heaven. And I would say yes. Like that is one thing that, you know, the the human community that the Lord was born into were all humans like any of us Yeah. Um, that had their lives and then passed on to the next world and are having a life in the spiritual world, which I guess is distinctly different from this idea that Mary was somehow different than other humans in right. some way. Metaphysically. So, that, right. so I'll let somebody else take it from there, but that well, there is sort of a... Well, then I just want to tag on to that, because Swedenborg seems to have this sort of um, dual explanation of, in some ways, who you are in this world doesn't matter at all. Because he would talk about people who are in great positions of power, uh, right. but on the other side, they're nobody because they they didn't have love, so they're they're they attract to themselves these squalid sort of conditions. But on the other hand, he'll say like, "Oh, you know, I wanted to go see uh, Plato or Socrates, and they're still doing the same thing. They got their <laughs> right. disciples, and people That's are right. still seeking them out. So right. it seems like sometimes it carries over, and sometimes it doesn't. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mary herself. Swedenborg does see her, right? In the other world, he says, I saw Mary, and his commentary on her in that passage is brief. He just says, she says that uh, she seems a good person, she's in heaven, and she doesn't want anyone to think of her as, I'm the mother of God. She thinks, you know, God, Jesus is, is my Lord as well, and everybody just be good to each other. That's essentially it, right? Am I getting that right? That's right. Okay. That's right. It's an interesting sort of situation because in Scripture, Mary's goodness is described at some length, you know, her Magnificat and, and so That's on. Right. You know, her goodness is an important feature. To Swedenborg, the main thing that she contributed to the mix was humanness. I mean, that's how Jesus became uh, 
part, you know, had a divine soul and, a, and, and also had a human manifestation kind of thing. And um, so Swedenborg doesn't have the same view at all that Mary needs to be sin free to get this thing to work, you know, yeah. that Jesus was born without sin. Uh, actually, an important thing from Swedenborg's standpoint was that Jesus was born with hereditary evil, not necessarily from Mary. Who knows? She seems like a very good person and needed to be a good person, but just passed down through the generations. Swedenborg says that's where it's not. There's not an original sin. It's not a the Adam and Eve and the apple kind of thing. Yeah. It's just something that's passed down from parents to to children. And so um, uh, Jesus would have inherited that through Mary because that was his human connection kind of thing. Uh, getting off of Mary for a second, the uh, the 12 apostles play a very significant role. Early in Swedenborg's writings, he's saying, oh, they're, they're just symbolic. Don't think they're going to be sitting on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You mean, so the people sort of themselves are just, the, those characters in the story are just symbolizing something about the human mind, about spirituality. So that's don't right. think about those 12 guys as important. That, that's right. That's Got right. It. It's not that St. Peter's going greet, to greet you at the gate that's and right. tell you whether you can go in or not. Uh, he means faith, and that's why those stories uh, involve Peter. But then he surprises you in his last published theological work, True Christianity, where he suddenly says toward the end there that the, uh, the Lord is sending out those same 12 disciples who followed him in the world to proclaim yeah. uh, his coming, right. and there and and I thought a lot about that. It seems like the eyewitness factor was very important. That okay. there were people who were there. This mm -hmm. comes up also in Swedenborg's work on other planets, where there were people from this world who were alive when Jesus was alive, and they could say, "Yes, that's him." You know, okay. so that eyewitness. If you look at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, it talks about I. You know, I've heard this from people who were witnesses. To these things, and at the end of Luke, it, you know, the, the Lord says to His right. disciples that they should be witnesses of these things, and mm -hmm. and um, so the eyewitness factor is important. So anyway, it's kind of a a mixed picture, but it's not the sort of traditional view of Mary. Um, but I think she is a wonderful image of goodness, as is Elizabeth and some other characters in the New Testament. Yeah, it's I mean? interesting to just think a little bit tangentially about how the apostles. You might think, oh, they're such special people because they get to go do they have this special role in the spiritual world, according to Swedenborg, but that it comes down to they have a very particular use, you know, and that that would be true of each of us, um, you know, and that right. Swedenborg, right, like you're saying, yes, they had this, they were these eyewitnesses to Jesus, so they have a particular role that they can serve in heaven, but, you know, like any angel, you would hope, you know, they would say something like, it's not me, I'm just doing, you know, whatever, living out my use. So that's just something that is true to everybody right. that they're, you they're have a particular... Like a higher order of being or something. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. right, right. Sorry, I had a, a coughing attack while you were saying that. And then they like, it looked back at me like, okay, host, we're going to... And I was like... <laughs> um, I will say, being an important something in the Bible doesn't guarantee you no, nope. a good because I'm not going to name any names, but he does mention very important biblical figures that he says have not done well in the afterlife because they right. weren't they were symbolic of what symbolic. was going on, but right. but they right. were not they didn't actually have this love in their hearts that they that they seemed to have. So, so the same free too. choice right. thing yeah. Yeah. applies. I was also thinking about the fact that he says that when people in this world loved science or literature or whatever, if they're at all heavenly or they have anything good in them they continue that 
that love. So it seems like right. if you're good, you get to continue. If you're bad, then you forget all about who you were. Right. You know, because you would you would use it to harm others. It, it's right. Sort of like a safety, and not only harm others, right. but safety. further damage yourself. So it's like, oop, no, can't play with that. Like, yeah, this gonna be a problem. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, nice. We could talk about that for a long time, but mm-hmm. I feel like we already talked about it for a long time. I mean, <laughs> let's, cut, let's cut our losses. You know, do you want to say anything, Cara? I just want to say that that. What Jonathan was saying about her being the access that Jesus right. had to humanity, I mean, that's such a core part of Swedenborgian theology, is yeah. that uh, that is what enabled hell to, 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 you know, have access to Jesus. And then yeah. he had to clean them up because they could get at him because he had the whole human, you know. Um, Frailty kind of. Package. Yeah, right, right, right. right, right just right. To, so yeah. so right. she's Not very important, but it's that. different than how... Um, yeah, well, it's it's not so much an individual thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In Swedenborg, it's like God is cool, and the rest of us are all the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's not like there there are higher. Even though some right. people accomplish wonderful things, it's all this is all God coming through. So Mary was playing a role, but really, end of the day, paycheck goes to goes. That's to right. All right, let's look at our next one. Let's see what we get. Thanks so much for the question, Mary. What does Emmanuel Swedenborg say the church means? Is it a movement or is it inside each one of us? All together now? (laughs) Both. Yes. (laughs) The answer is yes and also yes. Um, So let's talk about the church. I mean, it's it's a good one to talk about because you're going to crack open any of these books, maybe even especially True Christianity, which you mentioned, which I think you might have translated as well. Uh, You're going to see church all over that. He's talking about church, church, church. And church is having an image problem these days mm-hmm. with some people and is is that what he's talking about so what what does he mean when he says church um please answer may i shall i yeah please uh one thing that he doesn't mean that the word means in english is a building mm. uh so in in english <laughs> Yeah. We use church like, oh, there's a church. Oh, there's another one. Right. You know, he's he's not talking about that. Right. Uh, uh, he uses the term. I think I studied about five different ways that he uses it. Uh, sometimes it's a really huge um, term for a whole religious epoch, uh, and he says there there are five of them in the world, and this relates to Nebuchadnezzar's dream about the golden and the silver and yeah. so on you know and to and, our show the spiritual history of the human race yes there you go okay and uh so uh he'll describe it as a whole era of a certain religious approach you know like ancient judaism he'll call a church even though that term usually is used of christianity and not you use a different term for judaism but he'll use it of judaism very freely and of churches that went before that because that was the primary religious approach at that time you know as far as he was concerned characterized by animal sacrifice and rituals and so on and then you had of a different thing when christianity came in where it's more about the sermon in church and repentance and so on and and so these are religious eras then he'll also use it to mean all of Christianity as a whole. And then sometimes he uses it just to mean the Protestant part of Christianity, excluding Catholicism. Other times Catholicism is included. And then he'll narrow it all the way down to you know certain sort of denominations within Christianity and then get all the way down to where it's his really his 
go-to definition is something that's inside each of us. And you have to have the church in you to be a church. And just being born in the church doesn't mean you are a church. There's some spiritual growth you have to go through to, to be a church. So it's both a movement, but it's absolutely dependent on the, the spiritual. He also talks about an internal church and an external church. The external church is the organization that you see. The internal church is more important, which is who is really following this thing. And people in all different religions can be following it. Well, I think there we go. So it's like, <clears throat> this is why we need these questions asked because, like, what does Swedenborg say about church? Oh, 10 minutes later. Right. And those are, we haven't covered everything, but these are some. Right, so. right. Oh, I was just going to say, I have a little bit of like a. Not counter argument, but just like a rebuttal. That, good. <laughs> yeah. We haven't had a rebuttal yeah, on the good. show, have we? By crossing it off, that it's not a building, and yet a church, a, a you can think of it as a spiritual church building, because in terms of what Swedenborg says, a building is is sort of the doctrine, the ideas, right. and then what fills the building is then the love part of it. So if the building that you have. If you're the structures that you use to build your mind, so in, in a way we each do have a church because it's the right. building of our mind, right? And so those, the ideas that you have, give shape to the love or can be containers for the love that can come in. Mm -hmm. And so you might have a similarly shaped church building in your mind as somebody else, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so yeah, that's what I wanted yeah. to say. And <laughs> the the word, by the way, that Swedenborg uses is taller than <laughs> for, for church. For a church building is temple. You're like often in the in the translations, the word temple is what he oh, means by nice, a church building. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. Uh, so it took me a long time to figure out it never means yeah. the building. Oh, I had another thought. Yes. Um, but Swedenborg it, talks about our, like, I can't remember if I made this up or if I read this in Swedenborg. It's, hey, listen, <laughs> we just put them both out there side by side. I mean, Swedenborg said this That's what all. you guys so, are here for. Is it's, all, like, uh, it's all good. Don't listen. It's all good. Uh, but, Cut the feet. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, like, we each, that our religion is sort of based on our idea of God, and we're all unique, so you could almost say that we each are our own religion. So that's sort mm. of what he said. Like an individual yes. Certainly, basically yeah. has his, your own individual religion because your religion is really how you are relating to God, right. what those ideas are, what that love is. That's like your thing. And so just like how we're used to, people might think it's weird to say, wait, a church is inside each one of us? Like, well, actually, you, you're your own religion too. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, church in least form. As he says, the angels are a heaven in least form. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think you're okay on that. All right, thank legit. you. <laughs> all right. Do you have any, any church thoughts? Uh, mm, I think they covered my okay. thoughts. So, yeah, as I understand it, the, the smallest, uh, f the, the atom of church, like the smallest form that still retains its characteristics, is this thing in the heart and mind. And it's like the joining of goodness and truth there. It's what the Lord is striving to, to build in all of us. And you can put a bunch of those together, and then you get this sort of larger church. And he talks about people being in the same church even if they have different external religion because right. they have similar love and faith um and then he talks about everybody's in the lord's church who lives rightly by what they believe so there's That's just right. layers on layers on layers but when you go into swedenborg he just says church and he means it in all these different ways. Yeah, so that's it's right. very easy to get confused. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, that's but right. now that we've said all this no one will get confused. Yeah, that's right. That, that right. day is over. All right. Let's uh <laughs> let's go to the next one. This is from Brenda, 9361. 
You've mentioned some people marry in heaven, so is there physical contact? Okay, yes, I mean sex, laughing out loud. Cut the feed. Two, <laughs> and are only married people allowed to indulge? Um, okay. Great question. So, yeah, let's get our ratings up. Let's talk about sex. Um, and does anyone want to start it off? He talks about, I think he talks about sex and marriage. Yes. And sex and marriage. That's what I'm aware of. Yes. In, he- we're, in we're heaven. Specifically about heaven. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, it, uh, he says this very interesting thing that the rules are different in heaven than they are in hell. So in heaven, right. adultery is against the law, you know, and so there's a monogamy and, you know, whatever form that takes. Um, and there's absolutely physical contact. There were people that Wesley, the founder of Methodism, was very critical of of Swedenborg because he even said that there was sex in hell and he said well how can you keep people out of hell you know what's the what's the disincentive you know I don't don't get it and so they were upset with him for for teaching what he was teaching Uh, but in in hell they have sort of relationships and they kind of sort of a hookup culture or something but but you you are changing partners kind of you know and that's okay in, in hell it's a different sort of law whereas in heaven that doesn't that doesn't fly, right. and uh, Swedenborg describes the um, uh, to as much as you can in ancient Latin. But he describes <laughs> the, the, the sexual <laughs> experiences in heaven. It sounds like they're just glory. You know, I mean, just amazing how your whole sort of spiritual body is kind of alive with these wonderful feelings, and it gets better and better over time, kind of thing. So, well, that's one of yeah. the things to like that is there physical contact, and what we think of as physical contact, sort of. Yes, but Swedenborg says that really our we ha- we each have a spiritual body. If this is something that this person doesn't already know, right. and our spiritual body is in the form of a human being and has spiritual senses, but the spiritual element is because that the correspondence is just what is right. So like you have your body because of the what it's what it's meaning, the shape of your mind, or right, something, right? Right. It yeah. is right. It is the shape of your mind, and so. Um, and so our spiritual senses are more, well, at least in heaven, I guess he does say, are like the more open you are to love and wisdom, the stronger your senses are in mm-hmm. the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And so it's not physical contact, but by calling it spiritual physical sense contact is actually contact something isn't. more incredible than what our physical experience yeah. is. Yeah, he says, doesn't he say at some point that the pleasures uh, there compared to physical contact Contact is like a a pure and gentle breeze compared with a coarse coarse and stinging dust or something. Yes, I say that because we did a little video that was an animated illustration of that. Very, it's on this channel. That's right right now. That's right. So it actually there's better sex there than here. And what? So yeah, the physical, what we would call physical contact, there's spiritual contact, but it's like the same sort of experience. Meaning, right. you, it feels exactly. The you same. have, you're yeah. like, there's objects and people can mm-hmm. high five and whatever, and you feel. So that's right. there. And the way that he talks about how people behave with sex in heaven and hell, it's tied into this larger narrative of the way that human relationships are. And he talks about this pairing in heaven, this monogamous pairing, as being central to the happiness of the people who are there and central to the experience of heaven and it's this reflection of the union of the good and the true that we are talking about reflection of the union of god with humanity and that that, so that this is like a core uh, bedrock principle in the happiness and that hell is like 
about using people for for momentary pleasure right. it's not really a satisfying life but they are allowed to engage in it because hell is not a punishment it's about giving people the most happiness they can have with a lifestyle that they right. choose right? right and provided they don't cross certain kept within boundaries you know, right. or something like that so yep. there's restrictions on it and, and rules there but there's right. different rules than in heaven yep, yep. Right. because you're not allowed to further harm people or that kind of thing yeah, so, yeah. right so right. that's and it's sort of our only married people allowed to indulge heaven it's not like you be in heaven and like ah oh, man just i know next year i'm gonna meet the right person you know <laughs> like that this is the the meeting of uh, a partner is something that that happens and, and nobody's kept out like oh, i wish i could have sex but i can't find anybody you know like mm-hmm. that everybody finds someone and you find like right. the person that you're truly compatible with so right and he does say right that like there are people who who choose not to marry and yet they're still in heaven right oh right and i don't people know people are devoted to celibacy for religious reasons or yeah. whatever kind of yeah. thing so yeah, that, that is on yeah the like that's a part of who they right want to and be. what are we talking about as heaven because he talks about three multiple layers and he said on the first layer there, there's all yeah there's there's celibacy uh, he, Isn't there even polygamy? He, he talks about polygamy, polygamy and to, like for people who believe yeah. it's part of their religion. He says it's it's very like broad, inclusive. But I think yeah. the farther up you go, the more um, the the more you're um, conforming to. I don't want to use the word yeah. conforming, but the, right. the because the, it's it's sense you, you self led. You know, like it's not like yeah. oh, I now that I'm getting upgraded to the next level, I won't be able to That's whatever right. sleep around. <laughs> it's like. You want to only be with this one person, and right. and and as you're opening yourself up to who God is, like one of the things I don't, I mean, you said the marriage of the good and the true, but I, I like to think of it as, I mean, I like the words love and wisdom of just that that is, uh, Swedenborg talks about how, I can't even understand it. I often wonder about this, but he says oh, there's like one love with one with, true, yeah, like there's this, this because right. God is one and it's these two things coming together that is God, the marriage of love and wisdom. So that there is this like inherent monogamy to the whole principle of how love and wisdom interact with each other. Yeah, I was right. recently so. reading Swedenborg gives uh, this account of meeting a couple of angels who had died when they were little kids or, or babies in this world, and so it had no ex- exposure to lust or or exposure right. to mm. to that. Uh, and he's he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm talking to people who don't even know what it is. And they were saying like, how could you possibly be attracted to someone who's not attracted to you in the same way? And who isn't um, giving this love of this this commitment to each other? They're just how could how could right. you how could you even find that pleasurable? That to them it wasn't even a thing. Whereas um, anybody who's had a human life, you know, like oh wait, of course you 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 would be interested in all kinds of people. But so it de- all depends on you know what your life experience has been and where you are. And we'd say what could what do people do in heaven? And heaven is you're talking about million trillion billion people. Mm. And, and I'm sure that like even the slice Swedenborg described we get there it's it's bigger and, and broader than, than right. anything than that think. we know so yeah but there are probably principles that apply as you're moving higher mm-hmm. okay man that's pretty good Any, anything further let's go let's do the next one Max Borg mm-hmm. hey maybe related to Swedenborg do angels speak in something like tongues okay I have a question yeah <laughs> sorry okay so you, you guys can answer us on this one this the whole like answer in a question yeah <laughs> um, the whole the whole idea of speaking in tongues comes from that the story the act in the acts right well it comes uh, up a number of times in the oh, it does acts come, and epistles yeah it comes yeah. up a number of times okay it's not yeah. just the 
No, it's not just the there's day of one, Pentecost, but there's... Yeah, that's the name. Talks about the gifts and stuff like that, right. Okay, so I just love some context of, like, what does the biblical sense of speaking in tongues really mean? Because when I, like, yeah. reading mm-hmm. the Pentecost, wasn't it, wasn't... See, I, I'm showing my ignorance. Um, but, well, like, this <laughs> isn't this story, <laughs> like, <coughs> that they had all different languages, but then the speaking in tongues was, like, they were able to be in <coughs> one language or they understood each other? Or something? People from or all I... over the world could understand them. They were all gathered there for the right. Feast of the Pentecost uh, from all different kinds of languages, thousands of people, and they could all understand what was being said in their own language. Right. So it does make me think of what Swedenborg says of angelic language, that it is a language that we can all understand. Right. Right. Yeah. So is that what they were originally thinking, right. maybe communicating in somehow, even though... Yeah, so I don't know, but like popularly what we think of speaking in tongues sure. is a little bit weirder than that or something. There's also uh, other passages in the in the epistles that talk about uh, the uh, importance. If they're speaking in tongues, then you also need to have someone interpret it so that people can understand. You know, like it doesn't do much good okay. to right. be speaking in tongues and have nobody understand what you're saying. The idea is it's supposed to be edifying and so on. So in some ways that... You can see that that is like angelic language coming down to that world, that day of Pentecost event, that everybody understands it similarly. In another way, the tongues thing would kind of go away in the other world because there's this universal language of thought and communication and affection. You can just see from people's facial expressions and from far away you can tell what they're thinking. And and there's a universal language that's that's shared by everybody and every nobody needs to learn Learned, it you know right, it as soon as right. you get there so right. um angels do speak in words and i'm fascinated that they also write and there are things that angels can write that they can't say which is very interesting mm-hmm. um so, but the whole band with iconiosis whatever that <laughs> word is who's speaking in tongues now sorry we're really Digging a hole there today. The, <laughs> no, I think we're going to pull this one out. Okay, good. good. The um, the communication. Swedenborg has a chapter in Heaven and Hell on the language of angels, and the the bandwidth. There's a language of thunder, and there's you know there's all mm-hmm. these different mm-hmm. kinds of languages. Mm-hmm. So the the communication bandwidth. I I really look forward to going to the other world uh, because I think the communication is going to be so much. Richard, the only downside is that people will be able to see what I'm thinking. So right. that that'll be too bad. But yeah. but uh, pros and cons. But, <laughs> but learning you, what other people are thinking <laughs> will will be awesome. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Language thoughts. Mm. No, I just he says you don't have to learn it. You just know it. You you know it. And doesn't he say that you you know it because it's the language of the concepts that are behind words. That, that we all, yeah. like, if I'm trying to it talk to somebody cool. that knows uh, Spanish and I'm trying to communicate, okay, um, dignity. Uh, we, we know mm. what the, what dignity is as a thing. We've attached this word to it. But, but probably the picture of it in my mind is the same as the picture of it in their mind, that angelic language is, is somehow hooked into that. That's why Swedenborg says when an angel talks to you, it falls into your own language. But they're actually pressing the buttons, like, up the waterfall. But, it, you know, it's coming through there. But also in the, the spiritual language or as i understand it is that it's not so much that like you and i might both have a sense of dignity or like what that means as its own thing but like an angel when they talk to somebody they can see their whole life and personality in their face 
And so if one particular inter- individual is saying dignity, then that angel is able to see all the nuances of what that word means for that person, mm. you know, in a moment. Right, mm. right, right. That's right. And so. I've just been editing some material in Swedenborg's works that talks about uh, how angels and even people, the earliest people on this planet, spoke in what I would call faces and eyes. Yeah. You know, it's not speaking in tongues. <laughs> it's that your whole right. face is hardwired to convey in eyes. I think people are paying more attention to this in acting lately, where the, the eyes are so... Even the animations are getting the eyes so expressive, you know, what yeah. I mean? that where, where uh, being able to communicate with your face and your eyes. So there's just a lot of bandwidth. The earliest people would actually do a lot of their communicating through little movements of the lips and, and the eyes. And yeah. the eyes, that's right. Facial yeah. expression showing the thoughts and feelings. And yeah. and, and the, it was pre-verbal. There, there, there weren't words. Mm. Swedenborg explains why it takes a while for words to develop because you have to agree on a meaning and... How do you use it? And, you know, it's just so where human beings tend to start is with is non just with facial. And you see that in little, little babies. They don't have another way to, you know, but you can see yeah. sometimes what they're going through from their faces. They're cute. Okay. Does that <laughs> does feel good? All right. Let's, good. let's not go to the next question. We're going to watch a movie. Oh, yeah. uh, we, we had a fan video submitted that awesome. we thought we could watch here and then just give thoughts on and all that kind of stuff. So we really, we really appreciate you sending it in. So if that's cool with you guys uh, running the tech, we're going to go watch the video now. Hi, Sweden Borgians. This is a quick video that I'm making. It's on my own spiritual awakening and my own experiences with Swedenborg. So I just wanted to say how instrumental Swedenborg has been in my own regeneration and, and I wanted to share what I've experienced. It started about eight years ago when I was 21. Now, I don't know if there's a spiritual significance in the number 21 with, you know, seven by three. See the show on the numbers. I had an experience where I saw the light, literally. I saw a tunnel with angels. And I guess that could be a correspondence of, you know, understanding that God exists. And for me, that was just a really crazy period because I, I never thought God could exist. I was the most anti-God there was. I was like Saul in the Old Testament going against God, like, rah, 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 they're, you know, killing Christians. I mean, I wasn't killing Christians, but I was, you know, I was that far gone that I would have been lost if God hadn't intervened. I came to the realization that God exists. It was a time of great spiritual struggle. On earth, it was what they would call a psychosis, but to me, it was a near-death experience. I wasn't near death. But either way, it was a long struggle for the next eight years, up until a couple of weeks ago, when I started reading more Swedenborg, and I actually read the book by E. Kent Rogers, uh, The Twelve Miracles of Spiritual Growth, and that has just been so instrumental in me coming to a lot of realizations. For those of you who don't know, you can actually download it at Swedenborg.com. It's a book about how uh, the New Testament shows that the miracles Jesus did actually correspond to the things that we go through in our own struggles. I've always struggled with many addictions. I've been addicted to food. I've been addicted to pornography. And the more you get these things out into the light, the more Jesus helps you to shine heaven's light on the things that you've done, the guilt that you feel, the, the weight of your sin. You, you let it go, and it's, it's just so great. So I highly recommend that book. I'm on, like, chapter 6, but I've already just come to so many realizations. It's just turning my life around bit by bit, and I'm talking to a lot of people at, at my church. I would highly recommend talk about your problems. If you have addictions that you're struggling with and you're trying to get rid of them, you cannot do it on your own. So find help, and I just wanted to say thank you all at Swedenborg and Life, and thank you amazing people out there, and keep knowing what you're doing, and go for Swedenborg. All right, so there you go. Um, we That was an awesome 
look into somebody's life and and to impact mm. through concept. So I just want to get your guys' reaction mm. to that. Mm. So powerful. That was awesome. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the light and the connection of the light and the truth. Yeah. Like getting honest about things. Uh, mm. You know, it, the same way that light. Everybody knows that. You know, if, if something's funky or moldy or. What, just letting light and fresh air into it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I started. I started reading Kent's book. I would be very early on in it, and but I, uh, so I haven't been reading it regularly. But what I read of it was just like really great. Mm-hmm. So that really yeah. was a powerful book, and it's just so cool to hear what somebody's experiences was. That's right. Yeah. Right. So thank you so much for sending thank that you in. For sharing that. And, and like, well, that's that's um, to me confirmation that it's worth us coming here on monday and talking about this kind of mm-hmm. stuff for an hour because that's that's an example of life change positive life change that somehow right. these concepts that we're helping to try to get people aware of um are making a difference in happiness for people yeah. um, so that's awesome Amen. thank you for sending in that video mm-hmm. all right let's do more questions all right this next one Zeke, what is the goal of... Oh, an easy one. What is the goal of creation? <laughs> Why all this? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Zeke. Here we are. What? What? We're, we're in this thing. Why is there something rather than nothing? And why is it this particular something <laughs> rather than some nothing? Um, so, what's... The first thing that comes to mind yeah. is that... Of course, the exact words are leaving my mind, but it's about um, a heaven from the human race. The purpose of our yeah. stay here is to have a heaven... Made out of the human race, yeah, um, which is just a real easy thing to say. But mm. what does it all mean? No, but that, <laughs> that's that's the first thing that came to my mind too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what does it mean? What is heaven from the human race, and how does it justify all this stuff? Mm. Yeah, one aspect of it is that um, the divine love, the nature of love, is to want to love others outside of itself, to be conjoined with them, and to make them blessed and happy forever. And so the divine love wants that to an infinite degree. And so the whole creation of this universe and the spiritual universe was to accommodate this. And a really fundamental linchpin uh, aspect of it all is the freedom. It, It would be a very different universe if you could somehow do a heaven from the human race without freedom. It'd be a very different deal. But the 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 freedom to have uh, that that people have to freely choose heaven it doesn't work you know the divine love is not going to be satisfied by making a whole bunch of robots worship it and bow down or something you know that's not what it's looking for it wants a real living relationship and partnership and so the freedom thing is what necessitates uh, the existence of hell you have to have an option you, you know it's not that God created it but the only way to have a free heaven is to also have a hell and to have people here in this world where you have some spiritual privacy and you can sort of turn this way and that and decide whether you're in or not and so a lot of what we go through is for things to come to light as we were just hearing about in that fan video uh, so that you can make a choice about it. You, you, you can make a choice about something you can see. So a lot of the mayhem and madness that goes on in our world is about making things visible so that people have a choice. Um, so, I don't know, how am right, I doing? Yeah, yeah. Wildest, yeah. I, um, yeah, I can take a stab at the words that come to my mind to try to describe it too. It's just, uh, well, 
why all this and then what is the goal of creation so yeah i think i think joy is a good answer mm-hmm. um and i like the quote from i think it's swedenborg maybe it's the bible <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but we are because god is yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. right. and um and we you know God's thoughts are not our thoughts and we so like we have a very limited perspective but as a child of God I can know that I am because God is and so then I get to be on this journey of learning about God and learning about myself in God and and I think what I you know God as in Swedenborgian terms like love itself and wisdom itself and then I love Eastern traditions because they really just they call it bliss, you know, like Ananda, you know, like this is just love and wisdom could sound a little bit flat sometimes, but like just this bliss of just Mm. existing and that, that, and that is that joy, that love Mm. that can't help but want to share it with another person. Okay. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here and just say, like (laughs) I had a fabulous moment of contemplation of this one time because, um, and I think it's very Swedenborgian, even though it's sort of like Eastern in its terminology, but there's the dynamic of Shiva and Shakti are very much aligned with this idea of love and wisdom, this this divine couple that are God um, together. And But they each have qualities in the Eastern tradition. Like Shiva is very much the like sitting and meditating on a mountaintop. And then Shakti is just this like creating goddess force of power, you know, the power of creation. And they need each other and they are these qualities of God or, you know, love and wisdom. And this, or how Swedenborg puts it, is the underlying divine reality and then the capacity to become manifest. Yeah. And when you sit still for a while in yourself, like when you get really quiet in meditation, I think we're each able to go in and feel the reality of this in our own beings. Like when you get super quiet in meditation, you're connecting into this like underlying divine reality, like just this constant presence, you know, the steadfastness Mm -hmm. that is just God Mm -hmm. itself. But when you're there for a while, like what do you want to do? You just want to get up and do something, you know, like it just Mm -hmm. naturally flows into this. All right, that was nice. And now I need to get out there and do something. Mm -hmm. And that like, so that dance that's always happening between the stillness Mm. and activity and Mm. this like love and then this like wisdom that just wants to you know set the world on fire from love like that's just Mm. this that just is and so i don't spend any time wondering about well what was before god you know like that's my own little limited brain thinking you know whatever trying to apply my mind to something that is so much bigger than me but um so those that's sort of what comes to my mind when I think about it. Yeah. And when I, when I hear the phrase, why all this, it makes me think mm. you're probably, when you're wondering why all this, it's not when things are going really well. If I think about the physical world and the way that it's structured <laughs> yeah. and that kind of thing. When I'm in tropical surroundings and I'm snorkeling and I'm seeing all these amazing animals, I'm never like, why all this? I'm like, I'm glad everything's here. This is awesome. But when you know, I just dropped my phone in the toilet and it's like, why? Why all this? And that's like a silly example, but there's just these brutal things that we go through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if the Lord's divine providence has for an end heaven from the human race, heaven must make it all worth it. And it must be 
Like God is God's wants to give us joy, like you're saying, and wants to give us permanent, uh, amazing joy. It has to be that there's a better state reached through all this yeah. than without it. And I think Swedenborg does talk a lot about the role of us going through unpleasant things. One part of it is that then you can appreciate what's truly pleasant. I was listening on the radio uh, to some one of those cool podcasts, and he was this guy was talking about gratitude and the importance of gratitude. And he said, I, I had back surgery a while back, and I couldn't walk. But then I got I was able to through rehab and that. So now, whenever I'm walking, I'm grateful that I yeah, can walk. Yeah, um, yeah. You're never going to be grateful for walking if you unless you couldn't have walked. So it has to be... And it, it still seems brutal because of the things we go through. But if you think about it from a long-term permanent perspective, everything we go through is making it, is loading us up to have this state of not just happiness, like I'm blissed out on, uh, you've pumped me full of God chemical and I'm feeling, but just like this um, living, intelligent, uh, profound, wise, like this state, right. it's like real. Yeah. Like this is real and now I'm really happy. And, to, and I, I, I think I've used this example before. Um, once I was at, you know, I was walking back to my car on the college campus where I was going to school and I was looking around the parking lot and I was like, this parking lot is, uh, but I was like, it's peaceful here. Meaning there's no artillery fire. There's no <laughs> IEDs like this. And, and I got a little sense of what that means. But if I'd actually lived in uh, mm-hmm. a war zone, um, I would be able to understand that piece. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm, what I'm saying is it has to be that overall this is a better recipe for happiness doing it this way and and like whatever that whatever heaven whatever state of mind that is that is the ultimate in being glad that you're alive whenever people have a near-death experience once they see the point to it all Mm -hmm. they always say okay now it's all right uh i get it i get why it all happened it's okay that it happened so that it has to be that or else why that why would there be all these incredibly painful frivolous steps in between it's not like just a science experiment it's because it wouldn't be worth it somehow that's the only right. answer to me that justifies it. it's going to be mm. worth it somehow mm. Swedenborg points a couple of times to the uh, image of butterflies and uh, how unexpected like when you're a caterpillar you you wouldn't necessarily know how your story's going to go because uh, you're all pudgy and crawling around and eating everything in sight and you know yeah that sounds about right and, and, then, <laughs> and then you get to the point where you go into this cocoon and apparently, you there's dissolve. no caterpillar anymore. There's yeah. there's just white goo in there, which is and incredible. So, and yeah. why you're when you're in your goo phase, you're sort of thinking, what's happened? I've dissolved into Things nothing. Are worse. You know, this yeah. is worse than it ever was. Yeah, with no idea that you're then going to reform into this beautiful butterfly and fly off and sip the sweet nectar, as Swedenborg says, in mm-hmm. some sort of a heaven with a new ca- capability. You know, I think of the difference between a caterpillar and a butterfly. Uh, your mode of locomotion is just entirely different. And he says, even in these humble things in nature, there's a picture of the kind of transformation that awaits us. So uh, from a God's eye view, he's willing to have us go through some pudgy moments along the way, yeah. you know, because where it's headed is is uh, glorious. I like to think, too, that like God, as wisdom itself, knew, <clears throat> like you were saying, like the nature of love is to give what it has to others and bless them from yourself and everything. And so God knows what it means to be truly happy is to have somebody who is freely choosing to be in a relationship with you, you know? And so that is, uh, so he created humans to have that. But of course, 
he knew the risk that he was taking yeah. to create free people who would then completely forget what love really is, you know, where wisdom really comes from, all these things. And so, but rather than from the sort of deistic or whatever perspective of like, all right, see ya, see if you can climb to the top here or whatever. Mm. It's just this, <laughs> he took care that knew exactly what he was getting into to like, he made it so that our very suffering, like the worst places we get ourselves into could be the catalyst to leverage us into heaven, like in a heavenly direction eventually, you know, so that a friend recently quoted to me, I think it's Thich Nhat Hanh, who says that they would never wish for somebody to be free of suffering because suffering is the clearest path to compassion and compassion is, you know, is our salvation. Mm. Yeah, that's a good quote. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Okay, I will take your turn for one because I already took like three turns in a row. Um, But, but um, I'm glad to be listening to you guys talk. That's that's Mm. what I'm feeling. Okay, well, nice of you to say so. Anyway, Um, (laughs) uh, okay, so I want to say I don't think it was like God is sitting there and saying. I'm going to make Curtis, and you know how what would be really good for Curtis is I'm going to make him go through all these miserable things, and then he's going to be happy. But I think that you can't fake actual freedom, that we're actually in a place where you can really do things. That that, that I can really do things that have a real impact, that that leads to, because you said you're you're, you're like, when you get really inside, you're deep, you're meant to, but then you want to go accomplish something. And to know like the true joy of accomplishment, we watch... Uh, you know the fan video. He's saying this and yes. this really happened, right. and he, he said thanks you guys for what we're doing. To think we we helped make it happen. Um, that's that's a, maybe that's a specific kind of joy that you can't get outside of. Like okay, we're actually we're going live here, you know, and that that condition of okay, you can really do things, and there really is choice. That that overall in the end leads to this to be uh, in a heaven that's real. It's got to be the best case scenario for a conscious being and that's why that's why uh it's still the best thing to do even though there's all these side effects that Mm -hmm. in the end uh, you get so much money spiritual money at the end of it that it's like yeah it was worth all that work that we put in or something yeah Yeah. and i if we can this is a big question so yeah (laughs) taking the rest of the show on it i don't know no but uh i was just reading and i know it mentions it in a few places but like Jesus talks about treasure in heaven, like this whole, and it's easy to sort of fly over that. Like, oh yeah, sure. Like I'll make some money. I'll get my interest back, whatever. Yeah. But like, I, I like that as a reminder that there really is this whole existence, the butterfly existence that is, that is awaiting us so that the tragedy that we see here, the why all this is, we have this, we're seeing under the clouds, you know, like we are just, mm-hmm. Yes. And this is not all of the picture, and so that there's a this isn't the end game, and that that uh, you know there is this these setting up for yourselves treasures in heaven is really this that power of choice to use this gift that we have in this life and and struggle against these things or whatever that that really is going to lead to a transformation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did just have a quick <clears throat> okay. thought okay. about uh, Chelsea talking about. Um, suffering leading to compassion yeah. <clears throat> and i and i just have seen 
so much in my own little life and the own little people that I know that it's the pain that people go through that allows them to be so useful for other people. You know what I mean? I mean, like it's it's your own struggles that give you some kind of depth that you can offer to someone else when they're going through it. I don't know. It just yeah. seems like that's one of the those mm-hmm. detours to heaven. Yeah. And if, if heaven is a kingdom like of it. uses, you know, right. then right. we find our use often by um, mm. by our own the things that we've struggled with, brought right. to right. you know, been brought to our knees about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. That's awesome. Let's leave it on that. So, of, of course, yeah, we could do several shows about this, but we'll, we'll leave it there and see what the next question is. So, this is from Nagelpunk. Is it possible from a Swedenborgian perspective that we all may be creating our own heaven and hell through our own beliefs and experiences that we adhere to in this life? Uh, I would say you can certainly create your own hell. Um, mm. And... I don't know. Is, is heaven more of a, an objective thing because it's true? Uh, you know, the, right. I'm thinking of we did this animation once of the story of the guys who are in this little hut in hell and they love money. This is we're reporting this from the spiritual world, and they all gather around these little bits of gold and imagine that it's more gold, and they're allowed to imagine that that they own it all, but they can't take it from everyone. And so, is that something you you? It's semantics, right? Do we create it or not? But I think there's elements of yes and no. So I want to hear what you guys have to say about the whole thing. There's that thing that we create our own reality, right? I mean, people have, there's that saying. Yeah. We're all creating our own reality. Um, Yeah, I I think what doesn't, Swedenborg gives me the idea that a lot of people who go to the other world, uh, he says that a lot of people are mistaken about their own spiritual condition. A lot of people who are good think they're bad, and a lot of people who are bad think mm. they're good. Mm. And he says there's reasons why on both sides mm-hmm. it's important to be mistaken about mm. mm-hmm. yourself. And so sometimes I've thought that in a way everybody's kind of surprised by their outcome. Mm. Y- you know, and especially heaven, I think, is a surprisingly good, very moving sort of I'd given up hope. I didn't think this was possible, but you know, this amazing thing is happening. And um, so it is absolutely created through our choices, through the things that we love, through our beliefs and experiences and, and, and all that kind of thing. And the way we react to what's the input that's coming in all the time. Um, But I don't think it's a conscious that we are creating. I think, once you know a little bit about heaven and hell, you can try to create that some more. To Oh, it should be about loving the Lord, loving the neighbor more than materialism or selfishness or, or what you know, that kind of thing. So you can, you can try to go for that. Um, but I think it is something, even, even hell, here's a heresy. I haven't said a heresy for several minutes. Uh, I think even the, God does not create hell but Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And I think even in, in hell, the Lord is creating a circumstance that's optimal for that person, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I think if the Lord is creating something in accord with our own deepest desires and intentions and, and wishes, uh, so our behavior is creating that. And we recognize our home when we see it. 
but I don't know that we're consciously going, oh, yeah, I knew it. You know, like that song right. that says, my heaven will be a big heaven and I will walk through the front door. You know, yeah. I don't think that's the experience of who's <laughs> going. Sorry, <laughs> what's that song? <laughs> I don't think I've heard it. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I mean, that makes me think of how Sweden works as that the paths to heaven are all over the place, right? Mm. Like just the way that right. the Lord leads a person is super mysterious or whatever nobody knows yeah yeah and i think from a swedenborgian framework the that heaven and hell are real things and then we are either aligning ourselves with heaven or hell or the unique flavor that suits us or something um and and yet at the same time we're we are forms of goodness and truth and then we have the choice like we are unique creations in god and so we are a unique combination of love and wisdom and so if we want to turn away from god we will be a very unique addition to hell of evil so in that way we are our own i mean he says each person is a miniature heaven or a miniature hell right Mm -hmm. so in that way we certainly are we are creating ourselves so you can either create the heaven that is you in god or the hell that is you apart from god and and um, it's not based on anything outside of yourself right you know what i mean like like in terms of creating your own heaven or hell it's it it's from what's in your heart and mind. You, that, yes. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not like somebody has a box and you just stick these people in that box and those people. Right. In that box. Exactly. It's like in so many ways, I feel like that's what Swedenborg says that is, it sort of flips the way that we would think to think about it, the appearance of, of it or something. And, um, and I think of how, uh, like Swedenborg. Oh, there was one other part that I was going to say. Somebody okay. else say something. Okay, come back something. to me. I drove um, from your mind. I no, apologize. Right. Mm, so we are gathered here today. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody is uh, intentionally masterminding their own heaven or hell. Meaning, okay, I know oh, there's yes. going to be a hill, and the, okay, go ahead. Oh no! <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be a hill. All right, I'll, I'll finish that. There's going to be a hill and a tree, and I'm gonna. Okay, I want a slate roof. You know, I don't think right. it's like that. Exactly. Um, I on. said in the beginning, you can create your own hell because I think of these stories that Swedenborg tells of people who had latched on to particular false beliefs. Yes. Oh, and yeah. I think that there's some implication of that through our own belief and experiences we adhere to in this life. Right. That you can latch on to this, these certain beliefs or ways of being. And if you right. don't let those go, that affects your hell. But, yes. but not in right. ways that you anticipate or create. And if you talk to anybody in heaven and say, did you make this? You're like, no, I didn't make yes. this. I mean, in heaven is the process of acknowledging that God is the one that does things, and heaven yes. is goodness and truth. So I don't think any, you know, anybody is sitting there like like in, um, you know, Super Mario Maker, making like, here's a mushroom here, here's a block here. Right. Have you guys played Super Mario Maker? Um, <laughs> anyway, Minecraft, I think. Yeah, Minecraft, yeah, that's, that's probably a better, <laughs> a better example. Um, You're so, dating so, yourself. So, <laughs> nobody's Minecrafting uh, their heaven or hell. And nobody in heaven would say, yeah, I'm, I made this when I was in the world, even right. though it's the steps that God has taken us through in the world that allow us to have this heaven. So mm-hmm. it certainly matters the life we live. And it's but, very unique to who yeah, we are. Yeah, it's exactly unique, but it's not like, you better you better get on imagining and adhering to the right beliefs to make the coolest right. heaven. Or you might be right. missing a bathroom when you get there. That's something. right. Yeah. Right, with a skylight. <laughs> <laughs> so... Like, I'm really working on my outdoor shower right now. (laughs) I don't know plumbing, but... (laughs) I don't know plumbing, but I'm really hoping this works out. Um, I was thinking... uh, The thing I was... I think you pretty much said it. Ah. But the one other part that I was thinking of saying is just that when I 
the idea of our own beliefs and experiences that we adhere to just has that quality of mm-hmm. right like self self-sufficiency or something mm-hmm. when i feel like that whole even the good things the things that i think are good for me in my life that i'm believing about myself i have to surrender those to god too right like that us connecting to god and becoming ourselves is this emptying out Mm-hmm. of our own beliefs kind of yeah. in a way i don't it's like hard to talk about because yeah. it is sometimes though the i've seen this in my own life where the the thing that you might think is the best about you yeah is actually <laughs> yes. problematic and something right. you need to work yeah. on you know mm-hmm. yeah so yeah right yeah. <laughs> you're talking about my country album yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay do we do we want to say anything more about this um I think we have time for one more question. Okay. Let's okay. do it. All right. This last one is from Latanya. Does oh, Swedenborg yeah. speak of having access to the kingdom of heaven while here on earth? Mm. I would say, yeah. He talks about that quite often. He seemed to have sort of a backstage pass into the whole thing. Right. So so let's talk about what that means um, and, uh, and what Swedenborg said about the whole thing. Did, did we do a show? Is it called Creating Heaven on Earth? What did we make that show? How to create heaven? How on to create earth? heaven on earth? Yeah, I think okay. that's a show very much about this idea of accessing the kingdom of heaven and and making that here on earth. Yes. Um, mm. And something I remember from that is that, like Swedenborg doesn't often directly tell us to do things, you know, sort of of himself. He's always saying, "Sure, follow the commandments, do these things right. that the Bible tells you to do." But, right, right. Um, I mean, this is something the Bible says, but just like pray that God's kingdom will come. Mm. Like, oh, you, man, right. I read the question differently. I see you, you're right. But I thought it's like, does Swedenborg oh. speak of having access, like of himself having access to the kingdom mm. of heaven while he's on earth? And mm. I was thinking about his travels. Oh, maybe the, so. No, but, but I think I think this, she means it that way. Because know. that's like a more emotionally satisfying answer. So anyway, okay. so, yeah, we can so we Linda, let's both. talk about that. So how do we, how are we accessing kingdom of heaven while we're on earth? Yeah, I, I, on the one hand, Swedenborg says in some passages, in particular in some letters that he wrote and things, that it can be dangerous to access heaven before you're ready for it, while you're here in this world. You know, mm-hmm. like you can get hooked up with who you think are angels, but they're evil spirits and they're misleading you or something like that. So he talks about the danger, what I think of as sort of the Ouija board approach or something, that, that there are dangers. And sure. yet... At the same time, mm. the whole purpose of what he's doing is to bring heaven and earth closer together. That vision at right, the end right. of the book of Revelation, the holy city, New Jerusalem, descending from God out of heaven, coming down into this world. And, you know, that's what we're all doing here. I think that's the way the arc of history is going. And and um, so he generally talks about that we're here in this world, and then we die and we go to what's called the world of spirits which is sort of a clearinghouse between heaven and hell where we get sort of worked out and boiled down to our least essence, not literally, but, you know. Go See our show, The World of Spirits. Thank you. <laughs> and then you go to, to heaven after that. But he does indicate in some passages that it's possible for us to go through the world of spirits while we're here in this world and that it's certainly possible. In fact, it was designed. He says human beings were designed to be able to have contact with angels while, while they're alive in this world. And if your thoughts are and feelings are of a heavenly nature, angels will be happy to communicate with you. You know, we shut ourselves off by being overly materialistic or yeah. sensory-oriented or, or lost in fallacies in our thinking or, or you know, craziness or whatever. Uh, but that heaven is longing to have that contact 
with us. So it is possible. Swedenborg did have that kind of right. access. And he even talks in his Journal of Dreams about the, the, the council of the palace. He saw this palace and he wanted to have a room there. And then later he was allowed in. And it seems like when he was transitioning over to getting his digs in heaven. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think people, a lot of people think that Swedenborg was suggesting that he was the only one who could have the kind of experiences that he had. And I'm sure he's unique. But the whole point is for something more heavenly to be happening here. Mm-hmm. His picture in True Christianity 508 of this Nunclicate temple, it's called this temple that, that portrays the this idea of this coming religious era, has as its center a sanctuary that he says represents the connection that people on earth will have with angels in heaven. Mm-hmm. And it'll be through scripture and uh, you know so this is a this is something we're working toward to to be more heavenly and to have this kind of access while we're here i think the way we're designed is to be able to be led by that joel chapter 2 talks about the lord pouring his spirit out on all people in the future and everybody nobody will need to check with somebody else to learn about god because they'll all have this thing flowing in from inside yeah. you know so uh i i think there's a beautiful goal to go for to have access but we need we're the ones who are sort of blocking the relationship now we need to do some work on our side yeah absolutely Uh, my thought is that it like we were talking earlier if heaven is the union of goodness and truth the union of love and wisdom then any time that our you know our wisdom is aligned with our love you know if we know that if it's true that um you know hurting somebody is bad and we're not doing that that's access to the kingdom of heaven yeah, i mean yeah. you know what right, i mean right. yeah. it's just getting to getting some truth and put into our life in a loving way that's heaven yeah I, so and i'm i've never had like a major spiritual experience i don't claim any connection with heaven but i feel like i get little connections with heaven all the time like i'll be thinking about some problem something i've been thinking about for a long time and thinking negatively about it. and I'll just suddenly get this thought there's a different perspective on it and I, mm-hmm. I at this point in my life I think like that's got to be heaven because yeah. I never have thought that and I've been I've been like ruminating on this for a long Working time at it. I agree. or there'd be like a time like just recently I was cleaning the counters in our kitchen and I was like this feels awesome um like I something feels good right now and and to me, um, I'm thinking, well, that's, you know, I'm like, my, my antenna is still real fuzzy, but I'm tuning a little, I can just barely hear a little <laughs> bit of heaven through there. Um, I don't know, it seems that the more that, that I live, and some of the hard things that I've been through, like the times when I was not feeling any heaven, have kind of made me a little more sensitive to like, something good is here, and I know that it doesn't have to always be there. So it makes me think, right. like, oh, something's there. There's some heaven there. So I would say I totally agree that we're getting little bits of kingdom of heaven uh and then as you were saying it's going to hopefully amp up and we're mm. in the future where that's like the the norm you know mm. it's reminding me of another scripture of, of where there's a, a river i think that comes out from an altar in one of these prophecies yeah. i forget where it is and then they go out and they measure and it's up to your ankles yeah then they ezekiel, go out right? and it measures i think so right that's right i think it's the end of ezekiel and then and then they, you know, it's up to your waist, and then it's so deep you have to swim in it. And I think that's a beautiful picture of how you'd have these little. Now heaven is just up to your ankle. You know, you that's just, right. just you get <laughs> yeah. your toes wet now and then. Yeah. But there may be some day that we're we're swimming well, in it. I so Swedenborg that Nunk Leak at Temple that you were mentioning, like that's he's he says that's like the defining 
difference of this new church, mm. you know, that we have, right, is, and the nunc leakit, whatever the rest of the phrase is, is now it is permitted to enter with understanding into the mysteries of faith. That's right. And, like, a part of me feels like it wasn't too long ago, I mean, 2,000 years ago and a bunch more, where people were having very direct contact with angels, you know, just, yeah. like, getting confronted by right. them left and right and being told things and everything. And so you wonder, like, and according to Swedenborg, that was the lowest point of humanity. Mm. So yeah. they were in the worst spiritual state, and yet they had these, some of them at least, were seeing angels very clearly, being told very clear divine mm. revelations, you know. And that, so like, what what are we missing? Like, what, how are we somehow mm. in a better state, but we're, but I kind of feel like that entering with understanding into the mysteries of faith is this deeper knowledge and then developing perception of that inner connection that we have with heaven. You know, like maybe that's, I'm just like wondering out loud, but like maybe that's more of what it is. And maybe that grows into a sense of that angelic community that you're mm -hmm. in or something, but just that, that, you know, that we can, that it feels more genuine that way, that you're not just yeah. sort of, cause people can have visions of angels and stuff. And like Swedenborg says, you can just toss it. You can be like, oh, well that, I just made that up, didn't I? You know, but if you're really growing into this sort of, mm confirming sense of a perception can i say one more thing yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> it's a question Count the council of gracie <laughs> so with swedenborg and his at growing access to the kingdom of heaven while here on earth um like my sense although i i'm just realizing i don't actually know but he um first his first early well i guess when he was a child he said he saw there's right records that he saw Spirits or talk to spirits spoke or angels, angels spoke with angels yeah, right. in a garden. Okay, so there was right. childhood stuff. Right. But then in his adult life, was it that he like, he sort of, you know, he had evil spirits talking to him or like struggled with his own demons. Like, was there any more of a presence of evil spirits? I mean, and then I know he had that experience of feeling like he was at, had a connection or like a direct experience with God. But then like, is there any progression of like, oh, and this is when the angels started talking. Or spirits from the spiritual world. Like, is there any sort of... There was a very, very big sense of progression. Like, he, he has this work that's been titled, uh, The Word Explained, that he didn't publish himself. And where he has sort of, there's, and also in his spiritual experiences, there's one list of sort of like the 10 early warning signs that you're having a spiritual awakening. <laughs> and he talks about them and how he didn't realize what was going on. And he talks in The Word Explained quite a bit. In what That's a good the, episode. We should make that an episode. That would be cool. The indented <laughs> paragraphs of where he talks about, well, there are five kinds. And I've had this number one all the time, and number two a little bit, and number three a little bit, and then occasion, and he hasn't hit number five yet at mm. that point. Mm -hmm. And then later he writes in the margin of one of his manuscripts, a change of state in me into the heavenly kingdom in an image, August 7th, 1747. Right. I'm not making this up. He says it right there, mm -hmm. you know, that he can tell you when he went to another level, you know. So there was right. a very progressive mm -hmm. kind of feeling about it. So it's interesting just thinking of that, that there is this, yeah, that's cool, a kind of progressive. Yeah. Yeah, not, he got not gonna more and like, more in, into, you know, being able to see right. higher heavens and being, right. you know, mm -hmm. like it was definitely progressive. Now that partly has to do with our state, like we might have to, yeah. Cool. Right. All right. right. I liked when you said uh, earlier, I'm just wondering out loud. 
feel yes. like that's a good note for us to close on. <laughs> thank you all for wondering out loud with me. Yes. Thank you everyone at home for like wondering out loud with us. Uh, we're going to be back next head. week. Where we're going to talk about the book of Revelation. And there's, there's letters getting sent out to these churches. And there's mm-hmm. this little, when we talked about what, what a church is, and oh, yeah. uh, these little like warnings, and, and what does it all mean? Uh, what are these seven churches? Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. we're going to dig into that next week. We hope you can all join us. Thanks again to you guys for, for hanging out. And Thank we'll, you. Yeah, we'll see all of you next week. Bye. <laughs> oh, wait. Did we go yet? Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Do, hey, did you guys leave when I said goodbye? Like and subscribe. Because <laughs> if you don't, there won't be a channel by next week. YouTube will eat us alive. Just kidding. YouTube has been very good and, to us. Please, yeah. please uh, like and subscribe. And if you want to support this programming, you can consider making a donation. Here's a little bit about our philosophy. We're a nonprofit. And here's, here's how we approach the whole thing. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we produce this show and other content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. I don't know who was reading that, but they sounded great, whoever they were. <laughs> okay, thanks thanks to our panel. Thanks to everyone at home. <laughs> don't forget to like and subscribe. All right, we'll see you next week. We're going to talk about the letters in Revelation and what they mean for all of our own individual lives. So see you then. <laughs> <laughs>